I'd like to thank our sponsor for this week's episode of the Sex Nerd Sonder podcast, adamandeve.com. If you haven't been to adamandeve.com yet, they are a one-stop shop for so many fun items. I'm not saying you need sex toys, but I'm saying they're pretty fun. Um, if you type in the promo code SEXNERD at checkout, you get free shipping on all your fun stuff. You get three free DVDs, a super secret gift, and 50% off almost anything in the store. That is correct, my friends. Um, I realize I've never told you guys, but um, a lot of folks will get small vibrators, and small vibrators often run on watch batteries. And watch batteries often cost a ton. I mean, like, one watch battery costs like three bucks. That means that if your toy runs on three, you're looking at almost ten bucks just for one go. Um, buy your batteries online. AdamandEve.com has LR44 batteries, which are the most common watch battery uh, for sex toys. Do not buy your batteries from local electronic stores. You are wasting your money. Anyway, of course, there's uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of sex toys on this site. So, Go to adamandeve.com, type in promo code SEXNERD when you check out to get free shipping, 50% off almost anything there, three free DVDs, and an extra special something just for you. Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Sex Nerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Sex Nerd Sandra podcast. Oh my goodness, I am very excited for this week's uh, episode as it brings up tons of drama and I had so much fun talking about the things and asking the things um, and lots of juicy details came out of it. Um, before we get into it, I just wanted to let you know that I will be in Washington, D.C. next week at Catalyst Con East. Um, and what I want to tell you about specifically is on March 16th, it's uh, Sunday coming up, I will be at teaching Playful Kink in Alexandria, Virginia, just south of D.C. It's 25 bucks. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Last time I taught there, it was just packed and just everyone was so great. So I look forward to that. On March 17th, which is a Monday, I will be doing a live podcast at The Pinch, which is a bar in D.C. We've set the time for 7 p.m., so everyone has plenty of time to get home after and chill out and be ready for work in the morning. So even though it's Monday, I really hope you come out. I'm setting up the guests right now, uh, but it looks like we're going to have a fun and lighthearted debate and exploration of monogamy. Now, I realize that I'm, I'm saying this, announcing it uh, on an episode about monogamy, um, but I promise you it will be a fair and balanced conversation. Um, but I just, I can't wait because I have been talking to so many people about their perceptions of why monogamy doesn't work, perceptions of why non-monogamy doesn't work. Like I'm just, I'm finding all these people with um, different viewpoints. I just kind of want to talk about it all together, um, all in one place. So I am staging this action March 17th at The Pinch, 7 p.m. Uh, you can get all the info at sexnerdsonder.com. Uh, tickets are 18 bucks. Um, get them fast, and I hope to see you there, DC. Tell your friends, please, uh, because the more people who get exposed to this kind of awesome... Um, also, Seattle. Hey, Seattle. How you doing? 
How you doing? I am 95% sure I will be in Seattle at the end of this month uh, from the 28th to the 30th at uh, Emerald City Comic Con. I'm just hanging out. Um, but I might try and stir up some kind of a naughty monkey meetup. So keep an eye out or ear out for next week's episode and uh, social networking. I'll, I'll let you guys know. Um, but yeah, Seattle. And if any of you know of any sex positive meetups going on that weekend, 28th to the 30th, let me know. Cause then I'll just show up to that and then we can all hang out, you know? Uh, cool. All right. Last but not least, um, I announced uh, for my New Year's resolution, one of them was to have a relaxed vag in the new year. The other thing, what I, less fun of a nickname, but it was all about speaking up for when something bothered me in the moment and not holding uh, a lot of tension. And uh, update, it has been phenomenal. I have made an effort at least once a week. Something has come up and I have had a lot of challenging conversations that have honestly been so much easier because I didn't wait to have them. Yeah. So uh, three months into the new year, I, I'm it's good. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep on doing it. All right, you guys. Enjoy this week's episode. Uh, big hugs. And I will see you hopefully in D.C. or Seattle. Oh, one last thing. One last thing. Oh, my goodness. The folks in New York City, the, all the, the Naughty Monkey Meetup, just texted me to announce that they are having uh, – oh, wait. Let me look for it. Let me look for it. My phone. It just landed. Katie from the New York City Sex Nerd Association, uh, they're having a special joint meetup next week uh, called Dating in the 21st Century, a joint conversation with PolyConnect. So I guess PolyConnect is another group out there. So that's pretty friggin' cool that they're creating uh, an event. Uh, so go to meetup.com, New York people. I'm clicking on the link. It's opening. I'm excited. Get all the deets. Wednesday, March 12th. 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Yeah, New York City, get up on the sex nerd action. Oh, and they're looking for more females, too, because a lot of men are showing up, um, but women seem to not be showing up as much. So, uh, especially for ladies on the prowl, you know where to get it. Cool. And the meetup will be at the Delancey. It's 168 Delancey Street, March 12th, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Cool. Have fun, guys. All right. Now for realsies. Enjoy the show. Hey, Sandra. Elaine Smith here, my good friend and wonderful woman of the world. Hey, good friend. Hi. <laughs> Nervous. It's, it's, this is, look, I just came from an interview and I just, I had to get your opinion on this. Um, I just interviewed someone who's an expert on uh, lots of things in relationships, but we specifically talked about cheating. What comes to mind when I, when I say I just interviewed someone on cheating? Youth is the first thing that comes to mind. I cheated when I was young and I don't cheat anymore. That, that's the first thing that comes to mind, like teens, early 20s. Really, I think of it as a long-term relationship thing. But you're right, there was a lot of loose commitment stuff going on in, in, the, in the college era, etc., and I can also see the long-term relationship thing, although not me personally, um, but that makes sense too for people who are not as open and honest with each other and everything that's going on on deep levels because who really has time to think about all those things? Most people don't. <laughs> no, there's, there's a lot more things to worry about. Uh, wait, why was it something that was happening a lot? And you like, did you cheat when you were young? 
Ja, ja, um, ja. Yeah, I haven't really thought about this in a while. Let me think. I don't know. What, what do you want to know? I don't. It's um. Well, I. I mean, I don't know how much you know about me, but I. I t- depending on someone's definition of monogamy, I could say that I have never cheated on someone, which is rare. Mm-hmm. I've found. Uh, I started dating people when I was thirteen and had. had many long-term monogamous relationships like just stacked on top of each other um but i did in college make out with someone while in a relationship with someone else twice and both times it happened i broke up with the person the next day um and there's a lot of drama surrounding my feelings at the time so that is my experience with cheating i felt horrible i was in an incredibly painful place i was struggling with lots of feelings and 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 it was just like over the clothes making out and it was the worst for me. Mm-hmm. And is I mean, is that what you did? Yeah. <laughs> Are you scared of the mic? <laughs> I'm scared of everything about this right now. No. Um, for me, I, there was definitely a lot of um, guilt that went along with it back then. But there was also a feeling of, like, I... I'm going to do this because it's what I want to do and it and it feels right and I'm going to follow my feelings but I I think it had so much to do with me being so not connected with myself and so needing things from guys needing attention approval whatever and so you know if if I sparked up if if I found that I had chemistry with someone else like I couldn't deny that. And at the time it was like, well, these are my feelings and I'm not going to deny my feelings kind of a thing. Um, And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to sleep with someone else. So I felt like it was innocent enough. Um, Okay. So there was an actual, like when you say sleep with, you mean like penetrative sex? Yeah, there was no, exactly, exactly. Um, Yeah. So that's how I kind of made myself think it was okay. Um, but I still didn't feel quite right about it. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Weird times. Yeah. Another life. Another yeah. life. I mean, I was emotionally cheating all over the place. Like I was having all the feelings all the time. And, th- and I'm sure if I had brought that up, people would have been like, uh, you know, I technically, but like I didn't, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't act on it. I just yeah. suffered a lot inside my soul. Did anyone ever find out? Yes. <gasps> oh, what happened? Uh, Carlos found out. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going out with the owner of a club that I was working at, and then I started cheating on him with a DJ from another club, which was kind of like a major slight when it's like you're an owner and you're cheating with a DJ. This is like kind of... I think that was the worst part about it. It was like uh-huh. you couldn't even like go out with somebody like better than DJ. Um, so yeah, I feel like it was it, his. It was more a, an ego bruise um, for him, and but we stayed together. Actually, um, he found out, and I don't. You know, I just told him I wasn't going to see him, and we stayed together. So, like, were you two? I mean, was this like a casual relationship, or were you two really no, in it? We were. We were. We were serious relationship i mean we had never talked about monogamy we had never kind of really set any strict boundaries so but it was it was implied i mean it was kind of 
I wasn't seeing other people. He wasn't seeing other people. But I just was working on another club. I had a lot of fun with the DJ. And before you know it, like, we were fooling around here and there. Wait, so what happened? I mean, we don't have to get, like, deep into it. But I'm just curious because people don't often talk. And thank you for actually sharing. Because, like, I'm fascinated because believe i remember being in college i was in a play and all the the women's dressing room and we were talking about uh cheating and like every female there's at least five females in there had cheated at that Mm -hmm. time and we were like what 20 years old or whatever Mm -hmm. and i'm like really i remember turning around with like a makeup brush in my head like really like and in just that that was the reality of of what was going on whether you liked it or not like that was the behavior and and each person had a different story and a different reason, whatever, but that was part of the experience of... of yeah, I never really thought about it, but it is, I, I, I would think it is much more common than not. And I would think largely because most people are not having the most open, honest, you know, of their feelings kind of relationships. Yeah, I, well, in this interview coming up right now, we're going to find out how common it is. He's going to bust out some statistics, et cetera. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Curious. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Wait, so how did you guys stay together afterward? I just, I just want to know, I mean, was there an intense conversation? It was like, we will never speak of this. It was so long ago. But it's surprising now that I think about it, that we did stay together. Um, He was, he was kind of a mellow dude. He was. He was understated, you know, so he wasn't going to, we just did. We just stayed together. Yeah. It's kind of surprising because, because there was a definite, there was definite ego bruising and, and a certain type of guy would, you know, not go back, but we just carried on. And I mean, do you remember if it was healthy or it felt until I started going out with somebody else? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yeah yeah oh my god that's so tender thank you for sharing that why is it sad i feel bad (laughs) oh no yeah i i imagine that i mean some people really do a number in their brain to make it all um to rationalize their their cheating or Mm -hmm. their deception Mm -hmm. but it seems that it's a huge cost on your on your psyche it seems when when people do that. I don't know how I didn't cheat like more than, I mean, I mean, really I did, but it, it could have gotten much more intense and much more varied, but I don't know. I have this odd, I don't, I don't know what it is about me that I really, I should have yeah. probably, Yeah. but like, am I better for, am I a better person? Cause I didn't cheat. Not really. I don't, I, I don't know. It's all paths, I guess. Yeah, I I guess I don't really, I don't, yeah, and judgment. I mean, I definitely didn't judge myself then. I I would judge myself a little bit more now, but only because I couldn't live with being, it's the dishonesty, like I couldn't live with the dishonesty and and in a relationship um, now. So it, it wouldn't be like, I wouldn't judge someone else for cheating. I mean, it's just human. It's where... We're constantly looking to meet our needs. And if we don't know how to go about it in a healthy way, we sometimes go about it in a less than healthy way. Yeah. Okay. Well, yes. I will judge someone for cheating in a, uh, let's, 
Like I want to. Like it's dangerous and it's like, come on, you're hurting. This is clearly, this is a problematic behavior. But, um, but in the bigger scheme of things, it is an interesting part of, part of the fabric of our lives, Elaine. It's crazy. Yeah. Fabric. Fabric (laughs) of our lives. I think that's a slogan from a, probably. Or, or a Tide commercial. Like, no, it's got to be like a Tide like, commercial or something. Like Fruit of the Loom or detergent or something. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, cheating. Uh, so, yes, you guys, I, yeah, enjoy this interview that's coming up right now. Thank you, Elaine. Woohoo! cool. You're welcome. Hey, sex monkeys. Uh, sex and Sandra here. You know. You know how we do. I'm in a black jeep right now with a uh, revered expert of stuff um hey dr chris donahue nice to meet you nice to have you in my jeep how are you <laughs> uh so we just met we just went to a, a sex therapy luncheon where you just gave a fascinating chat on sex addiction etc and you are so full of knowledge it's just bursting uh it was overflowing and possibly drowning people at the lunch but yeah la sexological association and just talking about my clinical work with sex addiction Yes, it was it was great, and uh, I I feel lucky to have stolen you away to ask you some questions about something that came up that I think is really important, especially in the shifting, expanding uh, relationship styles that people have. Um, is this thing uh, called cheating? Um, and you know, we had a little pow just a second ago before you guys got involved, and we're like, yeah, let's talk about that. So, what's the deal with cheating? D- can people be sexually monogamous with a partner and never cheat in a relationship? Like, is that possible? Yeah, people can definitely uh, not cheat and be in a monogamous relationship, but I think that can be a sign of a lack of health. Uh, in my theory and just in the clinical work I've done, I think cheating can sometimes be a sign that you're sexually healthy. We are now living longer and we're being in long, long, long-term relationships, right? We're long-term extended. And so it's really, really, really hard to have sex with just one other person. And so people struggling with that and wanting to have sex with other people or engage in other styles, I think is a really healthy part of sexuality because sex is a basic drive like, let's say, food. And if we were to eat the same food day in and day out, you'd struggle with that, right? And we support diversity in that. And sex has to be something like that as well. So cheating is kind of an ugly word, but I really think we have to kind of disempower and take the word back and say that, not the best move, right? There's a lot of options when you're not having the sex you want in a relationship. But um, I think we have to stop punishing people. I think cheating has to be something that's kind of expected. Okay. There's a lot there. There's a lot of triggers. There's a lot of things that come up for me. First of all, I realize while I gather my brain, because there's at least two things where I'm like, but what about this? What about that? Um, and listeners kind of know, like, I'm all over the place. I'm very fluid in, like, all the ways you can be fluid. Also, did you hear that car? Yeah, we really are in a car right now, you guys. Um... Yeah, so while I gather my brain about what you just said, uh, tell why don't we start with, hey, what do you do in the world, et cetera? Um, and what is your kind of theoretical background? Uh, go. Okay, so I'm a sex therapist. So all the work I do is clinical, and I work with clients doing marital and sex therapy, which means something's going wrong in your sex life. You're not feeling okay about something, or you want to have better sex, or some kind of relational problem, and they come in and we work on that. Um, I also have a definite activist uh, role in the world. And so I do a lot of writing. I have a TV show on Logo called Bad Sex. And all the work is just about normalizing alternative sexual and relational styles because very sex-phobic culture. And we like to shame anything that doesn't match a two people, man and woman, intercourse-based 
partnered sexual style, genital focused sexuality and anything outside of that we tend to think is bad. So my work is really about challenging that and just helping clients feel better about, you know, the alternative diverse styles that they have, which we all have. Right. So when people say to me, healthy sex is this, I'm always like, well, point out that person because I don't know anyone who's having what we would deem healthy sex and relationships. We're actually a very diverse culture. And so our models and ideas of what's healthy aren't matching up with what's happening. Okay. I have found myself, I mean, I, ah, there's so many different communities in Los Angeles and I, but I found myself in a lot of community events uh, around people who are monogamous or claim to be monogamous uh, and married. And whenever poly or non-monogamy comes up, there's always this, uh, that's not possible. Like those things don't exist. Like what? And so my perception is, like, I, I realize that I'm a bit on the, the fringe, but I feel like these people are living a monogamous life. I mean, am I to assume that someone is going to cheat at some point? I mean, am I supposed to, like, am I going to judge them silently and be like, yeah, you guys think you're doing okay, but nah. If we look at the statistics, <clears throat> it is not looking so good that people are being successful at monogamy. You are probably right to assume that most people in some way are stepping outside of their monogamous commitment. I think the cheating rate right now, if we're going to use that word, is like 60 or 70% of all relationships will have one partner that will cheat. Not because people are bad, not because people don't love their partners, but because monogamy is really, really hard. So yes, we all want to be seen as normal and healthy. And so most people will present as monogamous, even if they aren't. And most people want to be seen as healthy. And so if they want to try a different relational style outside of monogamy, they're going to be really nervous about asking for that. Because guess what? If you were to ask your partner about that, I can't imagine that their, his or her friends or your friends are like, that sounds awesome. Do it, do it, do it. Everyone's going to say, what's wrong? They're going to say, why don't you guys love each other? They're going to say, what's going on with your sex lives? And sometimes it's not about any of that. It's just about you need something different. You want some change. And so I would say most people are probably in some form possibly cheating and just silently struggling with it. And then we bring it to... What is cheating? I think of it as deception. Like I think of it as when there is a dishonesty involved. It's not necessarily because obviously there's a lot of extramarital or extra. How do you call it? extra relational? Uh, uh, extramarital, extra relational, extra sexual, extracurricular. <laughs> um, but if it's agreed upon and everyone's in the know, then I don't think of it as cheating. But this is what's interesting. So <clears throat> everyone's going to have to have their own definition. And I'll work with couples and they've been together for a very long time and they'll say that they're monogamous and I'll say to them, well, what are the boundaries of that? What would be an act that's stepping outside of that? And you know what? Most of them can't tell me because they've never really talked about it. Um, is it okay to flirt? Is it okay to have uh, webcam sex with someone you don't know in another country? You're not touching. You don't know their name. Um, they don't talk about these things. And with technology where you can have sex with someone on your phone or on your computer, anywhere in the world at any time, we need to start talking about these things. I personally think we need more fluid boundaries where, um, maybe not be in a new relationship with someone else per se, but be open to maybe a sexuality that's close to porn, right? So if you're going to have masturbation or porn use, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of us are somewhat comfortable with that. Some forms of things like webcam sex aren't that far removed from that. Mm -hmm. So, I'm not concerned about things like that, but people need to talk about what their definition is because you can step outside of that in many, many, many ways. So you need to talk about what would be considered cheating. Then that brings up a lot of uncomfortable feelings. But life is not about avoiding uncomfortable feelings. And, and look, I was raised in a traditional family. And so when I talk about these things or I imagine my own life, I also get anxiety about it because I, I, I still subscribe to things like jealousy, which I think is a social emotion that we can get rid of and we should. Nonetheless, 
it brings up uncomfortable things, but part of being in a healthy relationship, I think, is talking about what's uncomfortable. You can't say, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, even though it might not be working or I don't feel good in it because I don't want to get anxious. Because yes, it's scary to sit down with your partner and say, look, honey, I love you. We've been together a long time, but I think I want to make some changes. It's horrifying. It's horrifying for both people. But true healthy intimacy sounds like this. This is really hard for me to say, and it's going to be really hard for you to hear, but I need you to know, dot, dot, dot. So we have to move into the anxiety. Ah. Uh. It's, um, like I was just around a couple of married couples and, uh, the topic of non-monogamy came up and, and just one of the husbands was said, you know, if I saw you with another man, like I would just immediately just go at him. Like I would just like, vi- like violence would commence. And I'm just thinking, um, like I understand that that strong, fiery, aggr- like just, I understand that like on an emotional level. And at the same time, it's. Why does that bring on such violence? And why is that a, like it's somehow it's okay that that brings on violence? Um, but I mean, I realize deception. I mean, there's lots of hurt involved. I don't know. It's it's really messy. It feels messy. It is messy because we haven't been raised in a culture where we've been shown that that's okay. We haven't been raised in a culture where we've had to experience that through other people doing it or through us doing it. I mean, imagine if we were a healthier and relationally healthier culture. And in high school, you had teachers and friends that we're doing non-monogamy in high school. And the, your first relationship might have been one that was non-monogamous. You will then learn how to deal with things like jealousy. You will learn how to quiet down your anxiety while in something that's open. But our first experience of it is when we're in adulthood, when we've only had one style of relationships and we've only seen one style. So of course it's going to be uncomfortable. But I promise you, we're moving towards non-monogamous styles and, and younger generations are going to experience it and see it from kindergarten. And it's going to be something that they know no different. And so those kinds of, uh, you know, adverse of really strong reactions aren't going to exist for much longer. It's chaos, man. It sounds like chaos. Like nobody will have any commitment to anybody and everyone's just going to be sleeping with each other. No, no, no. But see, that's, that's, that's the distinction is what will happen is people will be in relationships because they want to. <laughs> Imagine that. Not because you have to, not because you have a contract keeping you there, but because you want to. And what that will mean is that you have to be a good person and a good partner always. Because if you're a jerk, I get to leave. And so you have to talk to me lovingly. You have to talk to me lovingly. You have to actually challenge yourself to be sexual with me at times when you don't. You have to actually be a good partner always. And I love the notion of that. That you're with me because you want to be and I'm with you because I want to be, not because we have to be. And I think there's a beauty in that. There is. I do have a strong passion for continual. I think of it as continual cultivation. Like love is a garden, you know. <laughs> the metaphor works for me. Yeah, I like flowers. Um, but no, no. Let's go with that. Like you know, relationships usually aren't like that, and they should be. Where I say to my clients, you're relationshiping or you're not, and it's an active process. So if you work all day and you come home, there's no interaction. You go to bed. You were not in a relationship that day. And it's much like a garden. If you're not actually out there watering things and intending to them and taking care of them, what happens? It dies. It goes away. Um, you forget that you have it. And so relationships are like that as well. And I think our current style um, makes you feel as though once you have the box checked, you're my boyfriend, you're my girlfriend, we're married. I now have no work I need to do. And it's on autopilot. Guess what? It's not on autopilot. And so the idea of we're not bound by marriage or anything like that or any commitment label. And I have to always be working on this because it's happening or it's not again, forces you to daily show up in some intimate way to that other person. I I'm on board. I'm on board. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
I ooh, I watched a lot of romantic comedies in the 90s, okay? Like so many. Like Meg Ryan was my girl, etc. So you're shaking your head. Poor thing. Where is she now? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But no, I think that ruins us. I think culture and media ruin us because A, they go for the sensational. B, they go for the fantastic. They really do set up a model that's not sustainable, not doable because I think they come up with this notion that if you wait for the right person, there'll be no work, there'll be no problem, there'll be no struggle. And I say to my clients all the time, unless there's some conflict in your relationship, you're not in one yet. You're not even in one. <gasps> oh my goodness. If there's no struggle, you're not even in a relationship. You're just coasting, bro. You're just coasting or you're just living in that early stage of everything feels good. We like the same things. Everything's great. Cool. You're not in a real relationship. You're just dopamine. You're getting high. No real person has shown up because you're in a real relationship when another person stands up and they say, you know what? This whole time when we go, we've been going to sushi every Friday night. I actually hate sushi. I actually don't like horror movies. I actually hate spending Sunday watching baseball. That's when you know in your relationship when another human being actually stands up and says, there are things I don't like and there's real conflict. Scary. It's really upsetting. No. Because the real relationship grows based on how you show up to that upsetting moment. If I can say, you know what? I still love you. That's okay. Hard to hear. I thought we both wanted to watch football all Sunday. That's when you know I can trust this person. I can actually show them something that they might not want to know or not be happy about, and they're still there. And that's when intimacy really grows. So until you have conflict, the intimacy and trust don't grow. And if the intimacy and trust aren't there growing yet, you're just operating off of fantasy, early fantasy. A lot of people don't have the skill set to come to that conflict in a healthy way. They immediately get defensive and angry and shut down and all these things. And I mean, definitely. I mean, I'm- oh, and your horrible friends who will say things like, he wasn't good for you anyway. Oh, too much work. Just get out of it. Your friends. I say, I say to people all the time, don't ask your friends for relational sexual advice. They will give you the worst advice. They won't challenge you to be better or to do more. Um, in those moments when you want to leave a relationship is usually when you need to stay in because it's really saying that you're being challenged to grow up. Oh, God, I'm such a runner. Okay, uh, Julia Roberts in Runaway Bride, totally me. <laughs> and Julia Roberts in Runaway Bride will always be running because until we learn how to actually stay put and be in a real relationship, we spend our whole lives bouncing. Dude, have you actually seen that movie? There is some major growth. Now, there are some like major themes that like in me being in sexuality, I always go back to that movie. I don't think I've even mentioned it on the show that in Runaway Bride, spoiler alert, the 90s, um, there's some major uh, realizations about that her character is running and she's adopting each person that she's with um, interests in life and she hasn't found her own individual self. So it's actually a great movie. Um, it has a good, it has a good, I mean, just ignore Richard Gere and his cold dead eyes. Um, but uh, but it, it actually snuck a really good theme in the end there. But I, ha- I haven't seen it, so I can't really comment on that. Yeah. Um, getting back to things, uh, because I have you here, uh, the knower of all. Um, two things. That one, I felt myself in, I was really aware that I felt a certain amount of rage, but like worried, concerned, I want a love that will last the tides of time. I could see that because you, one of your questions after my presentation, you were leaning over and you're a little anxious and you're like, yeah, but, but what about commitment? What about family or, or buying a house? And I, and I leaned in with you and I was like, I get it. It makes me nervous too. But, but what was the rage about? What were you raging about? Oh, um, when you were saying that, oh, what was the thing at the beginning of this recording when you said, um, uh, that to to want to have sex with one person the rest of your life is like kind of not a reasonable thought. It's like, but see, I work really hard to stay because I realize I'm not a typical person, but because I focus on my partner, I eroticize my partner. I, I realize that I also have an incredibly flexible eroticism, so I can I can eroticize anything. Like I can. 
Yeah, I'm really good at it. But, and so I know that if I tried and really was showed up that I could have a monogamous relationship that that would I would not probably have all my needs met but I I could do it I feel like I could do it okay I I'm not going to challenge that because I think it's a beautiful thing I don't think you know here's the thing I don't think monogamy is bad and I think ten, people get that assumption where I'm saying it's one of many options right and that we don't want to pathologize any of these options uh, monogamy is great you will learn a lot about yourself you will grow a lot I think it's powerful and beautiful but I will always challenge the notion, no matter how attractive you are to your partner or them to you, no matter how open you are to different sexual styles within that, at some point you still bump up against basic neurobio stuff, which is we become habituated to things. We, the novelty reduces itself. Think about the ice cream metaphor. On your way to the ice cream parlor, that is when the ice cream is actually tasting the best. You are so excited to get there. It's anticipatory. First bite, mmm, delicious. By bite number four, guess what? You're not even paying attention anymore. You're not tasting it. It's not as good. You're talking and you're just shoving it down. And that's what happens with sex. It's, it's, we're just not able to make it have the continued novel and, and, and arousal elements to it. And that's fine. Some people, their relationship becomes more about partnership and they don't care about the sex. And that's cool. But for a lot of us, we still do. And then that's when you run into trouble when you're looking at your partner and you're like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to leave you. I've signed this contract or we're committed and we're married, but there's this part of me that needs a different kind of sex. What do you do if you're with a partner and you love them and you're flexible and so you can handle monogamy, but your partner says to you, I can't, what would you do? I love you. I can't do it. I mean, anyone who listens to the show at least a little bit knows that I am oriented polyamorous. So, but at the same time, no, but I also am finding that a lot of my failings in monogamy or my own struggles were a lot of, of a lack of skill set. Um, and a lot, a lot of the poly and uh, non-monogamy culture really has helped me to understand that I didn't have to be in so much pain and struggle so much in those relationships. So there's a lot of healing from learning new skills. And That's really beautiful. I like that. There's a lot of healing in that and skill learning and that they don't have to be, there doesn't have to be a pain. Cause I think that's, that's why I lean on talking about non-monogamy as an option because relationships should have conflict and it should not feel good at times, but there shouldn't be pain. And so a lot of people have that pain. And if you have that pain, you are telling me that what I'm doing isn't working. You might want it. You might feel most comfortable within it, but it's not working. And if you're feeling pain, then you're telling me your relational style is not working for you. And then we need to try something else. So the fact that I felt like guilty that I had feelings for other people and that I must be broken because you can only love one person. That's cultural shame. That's your, that's your Julie Robert films, where if I loved this one person enough, I, I, would, I wouldn't see anyone else. But guess what? You have eyeballs, which means you will always be oriented towards other things in the world that you're attracted to. That's not a bad thing. But you want to have a relationship that still has qualities that provide enough value that you want to maybe stay in it. But if you're saying there is pain in me being with this person or there's, I'm, I'm at a loss or my drives uh, to be with other people are very strong, honor that. Because to deny that is going to create even more pain and struggle. And what about the romantic draw of like wanting to connect with someone? Like, for instance, 
uh, some people and like polyamory, it's not really like I need to bone other people, but it's like I really feel like having a, a date. I feel like being close to this person. But that's beautiful because what you're saying is I want more love in my life. And that shouldn't be something that we should slam or pathologize where you're saying um, I love my partner. I want more love. I want more relationship. That's that's brilliant. I think that's a sign of health. That love is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you must have an issue with intimacy if you want to open your relationship or be with someone else. Or you are so good at intimacy and you have such a capacity for it that you want more of it. You want to do more of it. That's not a bad thing. But it's going to be hard for you to possibly find other people that are willing to do that with you. Because most people can't handle open relationships or non-monogamy or polyamory. It's hard. Are you saying that from uh, the background of being in in a culture that doesn't support that because you're saying earlier that eventually people would be able to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that from the background of our culture doesn't have any models for that. We don't have the social supports for that. Psychology is going to, you know, pathologize the crap out of that. Um, but yes, as we get more comfortable with that and people do it more, we will be able to tolerate it better. Um, but we'll, uh, you know, use a brilliant word when you said, when you were tapping into these communities, you were learning new skills New skills are what it takes, and we need to learn those skills um, out in the world when more people are doing this because to take on more than one relationship requires more skills, right? And a lot of time management that I do not have, you guys. <laughs> yeah, so you have to learn time management. You have to learn how to l- handle multiple levels of communication and intimacy and all that. And we right now don't have many resources for you to go to learn how to do that. But again, when the culture changes and you're learning that in grade school and high school because everyone else is doing it and your parents have done it, it's going to be a breeze. God, there's so, there's so much. I mean, obviously, this is a lot, and, and I know we're at 22 minutes already, but um, there's so many things just because, I mean, some people I'm seeing are going into a non-monogamous relationship. I mean, oh, we're talking about cheating. I really, I need to focus on cheating because there's, I'm, I'm going to have plenty of more of these episodes focusing on cheating. Um what is che- did we already talk about I'll what say, is I'll cheating? I'll say this. I'll say this. This is an important point to make about cheating. So this is what I say. Cheating is one of many options uh, when the relationship isn't what you want and the sex isn't what you want. It's a, it can be it's a hurtful option, right? There's many options, but what we need to do is stop uh, villainizing that person because right now we live in a culture where if someone cheats on you, they say things like "once a cheater, always a cheater," or "that person doesn't love you," or "oh man, he cheated on you, burn burn his car." Light his car on fire. He had it coming. We need to really water all of that down and understand cheating should be somewhat expected. Um, it's hard to be in a long-term monogamous relationship. So if someone cheats, the response should be, I'm sorry to hear that. That was painful for me, but I, un- I understand. Uh, this is a sign that our relationship's been hard for you. Let's talk about what we can do to make it better. People need to respond a little more laid back and a little bit more of integrity. And right now people will dump people, fire people, get divorced, light their house on fire. Um, once a cheater, always a cheater. And that's not true. So we need to just calm down around how we're handling it is really the biggest message within that. What does that mean that somebody who is cheated is just let off the hook? Like they're then, Oh, it's, I'm just, it's natural to cheat. Like, sorry, uh, moving on. Like, I'll say this. If you haven't the idea that um, you should be in a relationship and the person should never disappoint you or hurt your feelings, you have a lot of uh, struggle ahead of you because I say this all the time with couples I work with. I don't care what we're talking about, whether they wounded you because they lied to you, because they cheated on you, or because they forgot to bring home your favorite dinner. Um, get ready for more of that because we're fallible and we're human beings and you're going to be lied to and you're going to have some mistrust in your future again. And what I really want to see is what you're made of and how important the relationship is based on how you handle that. Okay. What are some, I'm just, I'm shooting all the questions. I'm just, it's, it's, it's quick, it's quick fire interviewing right now. I love it. I love it. Um, what about 
after cheating has been discovered, like, how do you know that a relationship is salvageable? Like, like what are some characteristics to look for in, uh, in a relationship after that kind of damage has been done in terms of hurt? I would say this. Um, most relationships that have cheating happen, whether or not it's salvageable has nothing to do with the fact that cheating occurred. It has to do with the quality of the relationship before. So if you're in a really great loving relationship and someone cheats on you, you can continue to have and will have a healthy loving relationship. And I will challenge you to deal with the fact that your partner disappointed you because that's what cheating is. You hurt me and disappointed me. Okay. So deal with that like an adult and talk about it like you are talking to a person you love. But if you have a conflictual, hate-filled relationship and then your partner cheats on you, you will probably continue to have a hate-filled, anger-based relationship. The issue isn't the cheating. It's really quality of your relationship and cheating occurs within that. So if you're healthy and it happens, you'll have a healthy relationship beyond it. If you're unhealthy and it happens, you'll have an unhealthy relationship after it. Just like, let's go back to polyamory for a split second. If you have a healthy relationship and you want to open it up, you'll probably have an open, healthy relationship. If you have a broken relationship and you open it up, it won't get healthy. You'll have an open, broken relationship. So it's all about the quality of the relationship. So if someone cheats on you, calm down, Okay, tap into your integrity, remind yourself I'm about to talk to the person that I love and say to them, hey, that was hurtful. What was that about? It would take a lot of strength to come from that place because immediately I'd go to like, why did you, you, yeah, you did this thing to me. Like I'm, I'm, I would assume that they don't find me attractive anymore, that they've lost their love for me. Like there's all these jumps. So you're saying to just stop everything, don't jump to any conclusions and just get more information? Absolutely, because <clears throat> the cheating could be a symptom of, I, I don't love you. You could be actually, you can be accurate. It could be a sign of, you're right, I'm no longer attracted to you. Um, or it could be a sign that I personally am struggling with some things and I'm making some poor choices. It could be a sign that I've been really depressed and this is a symptom of my depression. It could be a sign that, wow, I'm realizing I have really poor boundaries and it has nothing to do with you and I love you and I'm attracted to you and I want to be with you for the rest of my life, but I have to tighten up my boundaries or I have to get some new friends because my friends support my bad behavior. It might be a sign that I drink too much. And when I'm drinking, I make poor decisions. And so it's really a symptom of my drinking habit. And that's why to just get rid of someone over cheating is maybe missing out on what the core issue is. So if you could, through this discussion, realize we need to have different sex, my partner needs to stop drinking, or we haven't really been connecting and he feels distance, there's a lot of growth that can happen. And so I, I see some couples actually get closer because they actually are going to now have an honest dialogue. Oh, man. Okay. I've got two more questions. Are you ready? I have two more questions. Two more questions. Ah, okay. One. Uh, and then I go blank. This is what happens. Oh, I hate my brain. Um, yes. The, so in terms of long-term partnerships, these two things always come up and I struggle with what to tell people and I would love your thoughts. One is when a couple's been together and like, uh, let's say there's weight gain or there's a change in physicality and there's just, there's just, there's a loss of attraction and it's like, what, I don't know what to tell people. It's like, because it, it's like sort of like not PC to tell people to lose weight or take care of themselves. But then it's like, I don't know. Okay. You are going to hate my response. Okay. <clears throat> you, you need to tell them. If you are saying to me, this person is my only sexual outlet and I'm having a problem. Well, I don't care what the problem is. Attraction, frequency, qu whatever, quantity. You need to tell them. Be an adult. Pull it together. Put on your big boy pants and tell them. Yes. I tell my clients, if your partner's putting on weight and you are not attracted to them anymore, you need to tell them. And if you don't have a healthy enough relationship where you can have discussions like that, well, then that's telling me we have a lot of work to do in your relationship. Because we have no control over what we're aroused by. 
Okay. There's no work that can be done to make you attracted to a physicality that you are not attracted to. So yes, your partner could have met you at one time where you found them attractive and due to life and circumstance, they've morphed into something that's no longer attracted to you. So you need to talk about that. What does that mean for you? Um, we're gonna have sex less. We're gonna have sex in a different way. We're not gonna have sex anymore. It's just a partnership. Or maybe I need to leave because this is no longer working for me. These are honest things. We don't choose what we're aroused by. You need to talk about it. It's hard. The fact that I'm afraid that as I age, I will have a partner who will slowly just be less and less turned on by me is just, just needs to be my own private horror and I need to bring it up. Well, we hope that it's one of two things that either our partners age and their sexuality uh, moves along with ours. And that, that is common. It does happen. Um, but if not, then you rely on all the other levels of intimacy and compatibility that you've built. And what will happen is you'll say, you know, sex is not going to be in the forefront maybe anymore because we've both developed into a place where we're not as aroused or we're not as interested in sex. But we have this amazing psychosocial level of compatibility and intimacy. And we value that and we don't want that to go away. And so that's going to be the basis of why we're still together. And there's a beauty in that. Oh my God, you're so eloquent. I love it. Thank you. And also you have to remember, that's why we have things like masturbation and pornography, because that's maybe then the safer place to engage in the kinds of sex that you wish you could be having. Which brings me to this last thing, which, um, and you'd mentioned this in the talk just now, but gosh darn it. Um, the agreement to be monogamous and then within it, somebody losing their sexual desire. So you have two people who've agreed to be together um, because I will be asked this question and I'll be like, look, my let's say it's a male and a female and of the guy say like my wife just doesn't want sex anymore. Um, What do I do? And it's and I check in about non-monogamy and that's not really an option. That's not something they're comfortable with. So it's like, well, I guess you you get to masturbate a lot now. That's why I, I have to remind people you have this brilliant thing that can be used as a resource and it's called sex therapy where that's when you say, hey, you know what, honey, I love you and I, and I value what we have, but um, somehow I'm feeling like I'm not getting my sexual needs met. Let's go see a sex therapist because that's going to be a safe space where we can really talk about what the solutions are because the solution might be anything from, yeah, sorry, sir, you love your wife. Um, you're not going to get the sex you want. So yeah, you're going to have to find a way through masturbation and pornography to get those needs met. That's what it means to be with this person if you want to be with them. Part of relationships is realizing the limitations of that relationship. Or it might mean saying to the wife, what's going on that you don't want to have sex anymore because you're kind of holding him sexually hostage because you're both wanting monogamy and you don't want to provide sexuality. What's going on? Has he somehow not attractive to you anymore? Um, Is he behaving in a way conflictually within the relationship where it makes sense that you don't want to be vulnerable and sexual with this person? What's going on? We talk about, are you on medications where the side effect is low sexual desire? Um, Go to sex therapy. It's a really beautiful space. Don't really try to fight these things out at home. Um, Go to a professional. What about the stigma? Because a lot of people I've heard will not refuse, just absolutely refuse to see a therapist because it it means all these things that are bad. Um, yes, that's there. That's unfortunate. And what that means is then you're left battling it out on your own and good luck. And that's when you wind up doing things like cheating because you're not willing to take advantage of the options and resources that are there. Um, you have this drive and you don't feel like you have any other way to go about it. And so you do things that are damaging to you in your relationship. Good luck. (laughs) What a funny place to end. Uh, good luck. Um, Chris, Thank you for taking the time with me. I really appreciate it. Where can people find you out in the world? Uh, okay, so you can go to my website, chrisdonahue.com, also on Twitter, at chrisdonahue. And uh, again, my show, Bad Sex, will be on Logo this June, so check it out. Okay, 
Um, I would love to have you on again, like when your book is out and whatnot. Like, definitely hit me up. I'll tweet at you and stuff. But you know, you know, hella. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. You're awesome. Uh, you're awesome. Go team, fun. Now leaving nerdist.com. dot <laughs>